0: Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the blessing of another day of life, Lord. Thank you for bringing us out of our beds, Lord, and getting us up and giving us our hearts the impulse to beat and our lungs the impulse to fill with air. Thank you, Lord God, for giving our minds and our souls a desire to yearn for you. Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us today. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us here. That you would be powerfully and tangibly present here with us. Lord, speak to us today. We pray that the hope of your good news, Lord, would clearly shine bright. Give me your words to proclaim your hope, Lord God. And we pray that you would fill us all with your word of hope as well. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It is dynamite to see you all today. Well, in the fall when um, the church, a team of us from the church went down to Mexico to do some mission work, uh, at night we noticed that The lights in the park would go on at the little um, soccer field they had there. It wasn't so much a field. It was like a basketball court, you know, concrete slab, had some basketball hoops, but I don't think anybody ever played basketball there because under the basketball hoops were two soccer goals, right? And it was enclosed. It had like cinder block about shoulder, waist high, wall, and then above that, um, fence so that it was like playing indoor soccer if you ever played that you know where you can kick the ball off the walls and things like that. so at night the kids would get there after dark and they would be there till around midnight playing soccer just nonstop. you know different kids would rotate in or the group would change some but there were people playing in that field all the time and so some of us thought hey let's go play with them right how hard could it be <laughs> right well i won't get into that in this game But uh, there we were, standing outside the fence, it's dark outside, the lights are on in the little field that they called a conchita, and we're there looking in through the fence. And as the kids would run back and forth, they'd kind of like glance over at us every once in a while, you know, but like not really acknowledge that they saw us, you know, because they didn't want to be awkward. And I didn't really know how to ask, can I play soccer with you all? Right? I didn't know how to say that in Spanish, so I was we were all kind of sitting there, not sure how we were going to connect with them. And there we were, outside the fence, and there they were inside playing the game. Now something like that, I think, is happening in our passage from Acts for today. In our reading from Acts, Peter is in Jerusalem, and he is recounting for the Christians there what has taken place previously in the chapter previous in the book of Acts. Uh, and the action that he is speaking of had taken place in a town called Joppa, which is currently called Jaffa, which is right next to Tel Aviv in Israel. And Jaffa, or Joppa, is a beautiful town on like these cliffs overlooking the Mediterranean. It's gorgeous, right? Gorgeous place. And so Peter is there in Joppa, and he's praying, and he's taken up in a vision that the Lord gives him of a sheep coming down from heaven. On this sheet, which is being lowered by four corners, are all kinds of creatures. According to our passage, there are four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. This in itself must have been amazing, right? Like a zoo on a sheet. How awesome is that? right? Can, this is one of those cool passages that you can totally visualize, right? And you can let your imagination run wild with it because there's all these creatures on this sheet. What do you think was on there? You have not, that's not many ideas for a cool passage like that. Come on. Sheep? Cattle? Okay. A giraffe. Thank you. There we go. Unicorn. Okay, a unicorn. There we go. Now we've gone out of the realm of reality. That's exciting. Yeah, there's. All, I mean, I always like to think of like Komodo dragons and like condors and capybaras and nutria and uh, you know, a rhino or two. Right. All kinds of stuff on there. Right. And then this voice says to Peter as he's staring at this menagerie of creatures. What does the voice say? Get up. Kill and eat. Well, that's that, you know Peter's like I didn't see the story going that way. You know I thought there'd be like elephant rides or something cool, but no. Get up, kill and eat. And Peter understands it's God vo- God's voice because he responds and says, "Speaks to me, the Lord." But he says, "By no means, the Lord. For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Nothing." I've not done that. No way. I'm not going to eat that stuff. Peter's thinking this might be some test, right? Some test of his mettle, whether he's willing to stay strong to the law of the food laws, the Jewish food laws, whether he's willing to hold fast to that. And so he's not. He holds back. The Jews had been given instructions in the Old Testament about what foods they could and could not eat. And there were several rules that were given to guide them in their decisions. Right, And so for four-legged creatures, they had rule that they had to chew the cud and have a cloven foot. Right? everyone know what a cloven foot is? No. A split hoof, right? So cow. Good. Yes, chews the cud and has a cloven foot. Deer. Good. So you and Lake Wildwood are very lucky, surrounded by all those clean animals. Uh, goat. Good. Sheep. Good. Camel? No, it doesn't chew the cud. Well, it harder than you thought, huh? These are hard questions. So, camel, it does actually chew the cud, but what doesn't it have? Cloth foot. foot. Yeah. So, in uh, a pig? That's right, no cud chewing, but it does have this split foot. Right, so there's a lot of like great questions that come into this. All these food things and things to swim. What did they? They had to have fins and scales. Scales, you good? Yeah, fins and scales. Seven thirty just stared at me. I mean, that is early, you know. That is early to be asked these kind of questions. But fins and scales, salmon. Yes. Cod. Yes. Eel. No. Jellyfish. No, you got, you're, you're really warming up. That's good, right? All right, so those things. So uh, the, the four-legged like mammals and the, the um, fish had some like guidelines for how you made your decisions. Um, but things that fly were a little different. They just were laid out, which ones you could and couldn't eat. Right, so hawk, bad. Eagle, bad. Vulture, bad. Thank goodness. Can you imagine eating one of those things? They got to taste terrible. They smell them so bad. Owl, bad. Bat, bad. Heron, bad. Dove, good. Dove, good. So you think about the sacrificial system, right? Anything that the Israelites would have sacrificed had to be clean because it wasn't just eating it, it was touching it as well, that was clean or unclean. Uh, Insects with wings, which I know you've been hanging on this to know which ones were in or out. Um, Most of them, most of the insects with wings were not good except the locust. Think of John the Baptist, right? He'd lose half his diet if he didn't have those. And then grasshoppers and crickets were all acceptable things. Anything with paws was out. So that means Lola the church cat is fine and safe. (laughs) Swarming things, which included mice, rats, geckos, lizards, chameleons, monitors, Komodo dragons. Not good. So, and there's more food laws, right? We're not going to get into all of them and then some of the permutations, and there were other writings that spoke about other food laws as well. Um, But the concept here that that I'm trying to get at is Peter had been living his life with an understanding of what was clean and unclean. He had been raised, brought up, and taught that certain things were acceptable to eat and other things were not. Some things were clean, other things were not. This is what set Israel apart from their neighbors was, in part, their food laws, right? They had certain ways they lived their lives which differentiated them from the other people around them and made them distinct as a people. They didn't do those things. They didn't eat those things. They were unique people, and that was one of the ways they were made unique or separate by God. Peter will not eat these foods. He spent his life trying to be faithful to the Lord and his laws. And even in this vision, he will hold fast. And so much is working against him, killing up and eating those things, right? I mean, any one of you have ever traveled, you've probably been presented with a food that you thought, there is no way I'm eating that. Right? Whether it's like guinea pig in Peru or like dog in China or, you know, something like, there are foods that you're just like, or you might be. I mean, I like to try everything, but sometimes you see something and you're like, no, no, right? And that's just cultural, right? That's not even like because you think it's wrong or you've been told by God that it is not acceptable. So Peter had a whole religious um, foundation upon that as well, not just the cultural conditioning, but like he had been taught and believed that it was wrong to eat those foods. Those were unclean things and they would make you unclean. Peter was determined to hold fast. And this holding fast had probably become more important for Peter since he had denied Jesus three times at the trial and then had since been forgiven and reinstated, but he probably was determined not to fall short this time, right? There's no way I'm going to fail you, God. I'm going to stay strong. So Peter is wondering what all this means, right? He comes out of his vision and he's not sure exactly how to interpret this, When at the same time, three men from Caesarea arrive at the house, and Peter is told by the Holy Spirit to go with them and to not make a distinction between them and us. What do they mean, them and us? Jew and Gentile, Gentile, right? Them and us. For the Jews, there were two people in the world. There were Jews and there were Gentiles, right? You were either in or you were out. And so Peter is told here by the Spirit not to make a distinction between them and us. He's beginning to get the interpretive key of what this sheet with all these creatures is about. It's not just about animals. It's about people. It's about groups and what God has and barriers that God is tearing down. So Peter goes along with these three Gentiles, and he brings six of his buddies with him. He arrives at this guy's house. And apparently this guy is Cornelius the Centurion. What's a centurion? It says like half horse, half man things, right? A centaur, centaur. oh yeah. What's a centurion then? A Roman officer, that's right. They would have been over a hundred. That's what the cent part of it. They would have overseen a hundred people. In the modern army, they would be called a captain, right? Because they would be over a company of soldiers. And so Cornelius was a centurion, and what military would he be representing? The Roman Empire. And who did the Jews love more than anybody? <laughs> right? And Cornelius is this very outward and visible sign of Rome's oppression of Israel. Right? He is just, he is Rome incarnate, right? Just right there before him, the one who would order the Jews around and control the peace and control their lives. Cornelius was there. Peter begins to speak to them. And the Holy Spirit falls upon everyone in that household. And the passage says, Just as it had upon us at the beginning. The beginning event that Peter is speaking of there is the day of Pentecost. Remember when the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind, and they had fire above their heads, and they began to speak in other languages? We see here at Cornelius' house, the Gentiles begin to speak in other languages. They're given the gift of tongues. The house is full of Gentiles who are speaking in tongues and praising the Lord. And Peter and the other Jews, Jewish Christians, are blown away. Blown away. And so they're baptized. Now the implications of this passage are great. And because many of us came from a Gentile background, right? Absolutely. I mean, some of us came from a Jewish background, but many of us from a Gentile background. And here we see the beginning stages of the opening up of this divine operation to the nations outside of Israel. Right? The spreading. Jesus had promised in the Great Commission that he was going to send them, like, to the ends of the earth. But here we see that taking place. It's that operation that was uh, initiated here That has brought the good news to you and to me. The church would still have other things to sort out in its growth and expansion. They would have to figure out what it meant to bring the Gentiles in. How they would deal with that. What they would do with the cultural differences. But they worked it out. Through the redeeming blood of Jesus. Even these Gentiles were made clean and brought in as the lord said to peter what god has made clean you must not call profane who had made them clean god it doesn't just say they were oh, they're not they're not dirty anymore they're fine or i've changed my definition god has actively made them clean and so peter could not call them profane in this action, the Lord wiped away the food laws and the distinctions between groups of people, which led to the, to the eventual massive growth of the church among the Gentiles. And although the food laws were concluded on that day, the moral law continues to stand. The law which speaks of adultery, sexual immorality, perjury, coveting, stealing, all that continues to this day. We live in this same period as Peter a time in which the barriers have been removed, and all Jew and Gentile stand before the Lord, condemned under the moral law, unified in that, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have partaken of sin, and all of us, because of that, have earned death. We're equal. None is greater or lesser. We all stand before the Lord, And equally have access to his forgiveness, his mercy, and his redemption. In Mexico, we stood outside that fence for a little bit of that conchita. But then the players saw us. They looked at us. And they welcomed us in. And we joined the game and we became players just like everyone else. No longer was it inside-outside, but all one team playing together. Jesus, in his death, tore down the barriers that divide us. The barriers of color, of race, of language. The Lord has torn down those barriers so that we can be welcomed into his kingdom and become his people. We as the church now have that awesome work of proclaiming the good news to each and every person not only to people who match our demographic, not only to people who speak our same language, not only to the people who eat the same foods as we eat, but to all the nations with no distinction. Because in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. But under his grace, we are all one in his body. May we, as the church, as Christians, go out into this world Proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Speak of the hope and redemption that is ours in our Savior and the life that can be found in him alone. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have taken us distinct and diverse people, Lord, and you have brought us to yourself by the blood of your Son. Thank you, Lord God for the mercy and forgiveness you have given us in his sacrifice. Lord, we need not stand here because of what we have done or because we have earned your love somehow or earned our way out of sin, Lord, but because you have sacrificed for us. Help us, Lord God, with this understanding of grace to go out into this world and proclaim your message of hope that others might know the saving love, and life that is found in you, that they may be forgiven of their sins, set free to worship you and to love you, to praise your name. And like Cornelius and his family, Lord, may they receive the hope of baptism, Lord, and that new life which it signifies. Lord God, help us to see the world as you see it, to love the world as you love it, and to serve you faithfully in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.